Mom's, if I ever want to go back, mom's, G, mom's Gmail will make me have a seizure if I try to navigate. <laughs> I can't go into her Gmail. She's got like, like the the um, like like the, where it says, is it in your? You know, I mean, Gmail breaks all your stuff up now. It didn't even used to do that, but it's if you go to like her all deal, it's like over two or three thousand messages. I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I never know if when I might need that Hobby Lobby coupon. And I'm like, that Hobby Lobby coupon expired like five years ago. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Rescuing Churches with Stan and Josh Gibbons. This is the official podcast of 614 Ministries, where we exist to renew vision and restore hope at struggling churches across the country. With over 80% of churches in decline and 1,500 pastors a month battling depression, we strive to equip members and encourage ministers to pursue new directions of stability and growth. So I am your host, Josh, here as always with my dad, Pastor Stan Givens. And the silent partner who just applauded one time. And the silent partner, Michael, who just applauded. And today we want to continue to tackle some of the issues surrounding COVID-19 and its effects on the local church. Not to beat a dead horse, because <laughs> we've already released some episodes covering things like reopening and all the overall effects of this pandemic on the okay, church. Let's not forget that this is a once-in-a-lifetime event. We have yes, to think it is, through it this. Is, it is once-in-a-lifetime. <laughs> we have to it, think through in, this. In all fairness, I'll, I'll give you that. But yes. There, so the, there is. that was going to be my next sentence, actually. Okay. There, there's still some ground left to cover. Yeah. And, I, and I know from being around you on a <laughs> regular, consistent basis as your son how passionate you are about the local church, first of all, and how this pandemic has affected it and, and what we can be learning from it. So right. that's kind of what we're going to touch on today. What exactly has COVID revealed about the local church? And you've got six possible issues. Yeah, you've got six specific things here uh, that may become issues once we are kind of through this, whole, mm-hmm. this whole ordeal. Exactly. So as per our usual tradition, let's dive in and take these one by one. These are just possibilities. We right. Need, we need to right. be observant. We need, right. to, we need to evaluate ourselves. Yeah, exactly. The first one is people may not know how to worship without bands and screens and building drums. So let me ask you, uh, wasn't this also true, sadly, before COVID as well? <laughs> yes. Do you think that COVID maybe just illuminated it more? Yeah, correctly. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. If, okay. If, if I were taking time off as from the building and... From from you know the the praise team being everything and everybody thinking real worship is only sitting in the sanctuary with a full set of drums and you know two electric guitars and layers of you know pads behind it and fogs. When did we get two electric guitars? We, we've never I had have two one in my office and one at home, okay. so there's two. Yeah, but <laughs> either either way. The feeling of worship is what some people would consider worship. And I read early into this several people's comments on social media that, you know, I just can't worship at home. I just can't worship at home. Well, here's the deal. If you're a growing Christian, you should worship at home every day, with or without drums, with or without a praise team, you know, with or without 
you know, screens that have the words on it. So I just think we may be able to look at our churches and say some of our people are weak in that area. Sure. We, we need to turn some attention to training. We need to do some small group training in that. We might need to do some mainline teaching in it, but we, we've got to get focused on that and let people know that worship is a lifestyle. It's not related to music. It's not just music. It's music is, it can be a huge part of it, mm-hmm. but it's not just music. And, so. and part of your point is that it's not emotional either. It doesn't, exactly. it doesn't ride on your feelings. Exactly. I, re- I read that, I read that real strong in what you wrote yeah. here. It's, yeah. it's not a, it's not a feeling. It's a, it's a state yeah. of, of being in a state of mind and something you choose. That's exactly right. Exactly you know, right. Of, Dave, David worshiped in some very terrible times in his life. Right. Uh, and he cried out in his worship to God, why have you forsaken me? What's happening here? You know, I feel like you've abandoned me. And that's all part of his worship that turns around in the later in that song, Psalm turns around to be a praise moment. So why do you think, why do you think that uh, modern worship has become so emotional for us? It's just, it's just that, that hype around all the music. I think we always, I think as Americans, especially maybe it's an international thing now. I yeah. haven't traveled enough internationally, but definitely as Americans, we look for the shortest route, the easiest way to do something. We're right. back to easy and hard. Yeah. And it's very easy to, you know, sit in front of a praise team that's really got a killer drum set and a killer bass player, you know, and a beautiful vocalist and let that become this warm, fuzzy feeling of worship and call it worship. And then forget about it all week. (laughs) Yeah, when in reality, when in reality, that was a moment of interactive worship, maybe corporately, but interactive worship with you and the Lord in a setting, and the setting has nothing to do with the worship. And I think, I mean, your question's very well stated, but I really think we're looking for the easy route. Right. And the hard route is I need to sit down with my Bible today. You know, I've got a sinus infection. I've got you know, four kids, you know, to get, get off to school or get, get off to wherever or to teach them at home. And I still have to find time to get in the word. And even though I don't feel good, I've got to worship the Lord with my life today. So that's good. That's I, really good. Yeah, I think, I think as churches, we got to evaluate where we are with that. It's so. good. Number two here on the list is that it may have revealed that church fellowship might not be sweet enough. What do you mean by that? <laughs> so that's kind of something Matt referred to in the previous podcast. You know, if your people aren't dying to get back yeah. to, to you, there, if they, if they there, didn't. There might be a problem if they didn't miss church at all. Like, oh well, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know. So it's oh, well, that's too bad we can't have church. Yeah, I, it's uh, just church. Know, I guess I'll go fishing. Yeah. So, <laughs> so if people aren't finding the fellowship, the interactive connection, the the spiritual accountability, uh, all the things that go with a good, healthy church, if they're not, if your people aren't finding that really critical, like longing for it. I would use the word craving it, missing it a lot. Um, it, it may be an indicator that you need to work on some of that. You need, we talked about it in one of the other podcasts, but you need to work on your connectivity with them. Right. Uh, people need to know the value of body life and what it means to, to have a group of people hold me accountable, help me grow, pray for me, check on me, you know, encourage me when I'm down and all of that. So, the, the 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 scriptures say when we dwell in healthy fellowship and unity together, we glorify God, and that testifies according to John seventeen. That testifies of the reality of Jesus and His work. So as we as we dwell in unity and and really focus ourselves around that, we're actually bringing more glory to God. And I think churches ought to evaluate whether or not people are hungry for that. Are we, you know, is church just this? 
little tick on the clock. We just drop in on Sunday. It's our thing we do. That's good. What What would you say to a church? You know, in, in a coming out of a situation like this, especially with with COVID, if that is something that they've struggled with, um, and and there are some some major red flags that the overall body of the church is not, um, you know, you know, that concerned about coming back, you know, what would, what would you yeah. say that that church needs to, to do maybe direction wise? I, w- I would encourage the pastor to get three or four core people and begin working on body life. Yeah. Uh, the, go back to the, the in, fundamentals. In, yeah. Invest in those fundamentals, teach through the one another's uh, 13 or 14, one another's in the new Testament and what it means to be a one another with another. Right. Um, you know, what it means to be devoted to one another, uh, you know, what it means to encourage one another, what it means to rebuke one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but find those one another's, build up one another. One of them says build up one another. Mm-hmm. So find those one another's and teach through them. You might do it as a small group first and then do it in the mass or either way. You got to get your people thinking through the need for that. And and I would also get people in the church that are um, built up by the body. They're they love the unity and the fellowship. They love the connection. I'd get them to testify to what that means. I mean, you know, through our time here, we've had a handful of guys that I've been discipling that aren't going to miss. Um, even in COVID, they're coming to church. Yeah, they were coming anyway. <laughs> yeah, they, they just want to be here. That they were here and they, no want, they want the eyeball-to-eyeball accountability with one another, with their pastor, with with their discipleship team. They want to look at each other across the table and say, hey, how you doing? You everything okay? Uh, man, you need to pray for me this week, X, Y, Z. So. Exactly. That's good. It's a good thing to check on. Definitely, for sure. And then number three on your list here is that we may have neglected to honor those who practiced some of the highest values of the disciple life. And this is like healthcare workers and things like that. So how would you suggest that the church believers can repair and mend this broken reputation here? What can we do practically speaking to honor those people? Well, that's, that's almost a personal note for me of one of the things we talk about scripturally all the time is that a mature Christian will sacrifice themselves, put themselves in harm's way. And you remember after nine one one, everybody was all about firemen and, you know, policemen that ran towards the building while everybody was running away from the buildings. And then, then so so we had this we had this long period of time where we were kind of all remembering the value of policemen and firemen and, oh, and yeah. the rescue workers. It was right? at the national level. So, so now in the pandemic, we're all going, hey, man, nurses and doctors yeah. and healthcare, healthcare workers, workers and yep. people in nursing homes are caring for our, our elderly that we can't even go see right now. So we're evaluating them. And I just look at all that and went, you know what? The church has missed that. Mm-hmm. As a church, along the way, we should be honoring those people. We should be finding ways to to honor those people, to acknowledge their value. If nothing else, we should be telling our people at our church, our, our society has evidence of sacrificial yeah, living, it's, it's, sacrificial um, life. It's actually one of the reasons that, uh, it, it's ironic that you mentioned this. It's one of the reasons that I started doing the graphics and the shout outs on, right. on our church page here at Northside um, in Mobile to the the EMTs, the yeah. firemen, the policemen, healthcare the, workers, the healthcare yeah. workers. Mm-hmm. I, I started doing. I had about five or six of them, um, and kind of broke them up into the different titles. Um, and and I asked people to tag. I said, if you know somebody who's a such and such for yeah. for whatever that week was, tag them. tag them in the comments and say thanks for everything you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes a long way when people know other people are actually thinking about them. Yeah, and, and the Bible says that our lives as Christians 
devoted Christ followers, we're supposed to live sacrificially. So if that's actually happening in front of us by some people, now there are nurses and doctors who are doing it for the money. <laughs> right. <laughs> but right. there's some good ones out there for sure. Sure. That their life is devoted to the health of others and care for others. And they put themselves in disease way, mm-hmm. you know, to, to help us. So we should, we should find ways to honor them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the church should, should step up and yeah, do same, that. Same with a school teacher. I mean, school teachers, you know, Lord knows they go through so much and get paid way low on the scale. Oh, but, yeah. But they're, they're at the, the core of our, our society as a school teacher. Yeah, so. big time. And then number four on your list here is that COVID may have revealed some budgeting issues, some overreaching budget issues for the church. And I was kind of asking you about this before we even started yeah. the episode. Right. Um, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, if, if I've been watching these companies that, you know, shut down a third of their company, a fourth of their company, some of them shut down two thirds of their company. They, they restaurants are just running drive throughs Some of them are doing, you know, call us and we'll bring it to you. We went to the, um, music store yesterday they're closed oh yeah but you yep. had to call from the parking lot and tell them what you want and they'll bring it to your car yep kind of deal yep. so but at the end of the day everybody's kind of evaluating what's necessary and what's not uh in our budget in other words i think a lot of companies are going to figure out there's about eight or nine unessential people in our functioning we've been able to function fine through this while we cut a bunch of people back right so it's going to be an economic nightmare for us all but but at the end of the day, I think churches are the same way. We, we haven't met forever. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, the good news for our little church is our summer air conditioning budget went way down. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, we're on levelized billing, so we won't see that for a while. Sure. But the good news is we are not running all the ACs in all the rooms uh, that, that we would normally for, for months now and for, you know, a couple of months. And so we, we're going to see some some changes there. But you can also look at it and say, what are the things that we were doing as a church that we pulled back from and it didn't change anything? It doesn't matter that we weren't doing that. You know, did we have some events planned that it didn't matter that we didn't do them? Uh, that we were spending a good amount of money on. Did we have some activities planned that we can pull back from? Do we have a ministry, a whole line of ministry that's not functioning right now and it hasn't mattered? That may, that may be something to look at. So I think there may be some unnecessary line items in our budgets that we should evaluate on the other side of COVID. Yeah, that's a good point. And then number five in the list here is core family issues. Uh, you have a note here about parents kind of being forced back into parenting, <laughs> yes. not just trying to make a living. And let me ask you here, what role first, because this is something that some, some people just, some people listening might not even really tend to think about or know what what role first of all does the church play in the parenting process because some people just would don't even naturally think about the church and parenting as as something that goes here they think well we should be training parents about scriptural values of how to parent um we should be guiding them we should older men should be teaching younger men Mm -hmm. how how to bring their children up in the admonition of the lord older women teaching younger women all that should be in the discipleship process. And then the, the pastor and the leadership teams and the teaching teams at your church, small group teachers and, you know, the master teacher in your sanctuary, whoever, they all should be teaching parenting values. You know, we, we do a family series every so often and, and invest in some of that. So you could do a family series once a year. But either way, you should have small groups for parents. If you have a lot of parents in your 
in your church. You ought to have a parenting small group class, and and that ought to be run by some really good adult parents, some right. guys that have done a great job raising their kids, and can, can give great sound advice and, and coaching for that. So I think the issue becomes parents for the first time in the history of America that I've lived in. You know, in my almost 60 years of life, parents have been forced back into the home out of work. They, they were working 60 and 70 hours a week. Now they're stuck at home with yeah, their kids. The, the school isn't raising their kid. That's, for them. The school's not got them all day. So now you've got your kids all day. And so families have, have had to learn to dwell together, to get along together. Um, families have had to learn to, to function. And parents have had to learn to teach their children even school lessons. And so the church should One of my favorite videos, I showed it to our silent sound man, but one of my favorite videos is that you know, young black man that fim- films himself crying, calling his teacher, you know, saying, he's, oh, yeah, he's yeah, telling yeah. this, I remember, yeah. cowboy something or another, yeah. or whatever his name is, <laughs> but he's telling, telling the teacher how much he loves her and how much she means to him because, you know, I, I didn't know what y'all all went through. I don't, I have no idea what you went through every day, you know, because you got the kids <laughs> at home. And then he's talking about bringing them back home. And at the end, he's talking about, I'm going to bring them over to your house. But I think parents, we should be able to evaluate how did our parents do with this? Did some parents, you know, farm them out to grandparents because they couldn't handle it? Yeah. We need to know that. You know, did some parents do really well with it? Have other parents, you know, are they really stressed? And so we probably ought to look at the the values there and see how we're doing. Um, become become an influence in that in that family role as a church. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And I know a lot of churches are are big on teaching the uh, parental values um, series and family series. And those that aren't shouldn't. If you have any questions about that, or if you want um, even links to some of the um, family series that you know that Stan has done, we would be happy to provide those. So sure. Um, and then you've got a bonus thought here in our list. Yes. Is that. It may have a little revealed, philosophical. Yeah, it, it may have revealed uh, that church families are easily led by culture and the media. I know this one has particularly gotten underneath your skin. Just how many people in general have fallen for conspiracy theories and how easily people are willing to trust the media or anything they see on Facebook. Well, if it's on Facebook, it must be true. So tell me why you think. Speaking of philosophical, I actually worded yeah. it a little philosophically here for you. Why do you think that the nature of man falls victim to this so easily? And how can the church point to the truth? Well, the nature of man, uh, fallen man especially, is ultimately you know, bent towards evil, sin, and all that stuff. So, so you assume everybody else is bent that bent way that as way. well. Exactly. And it's hard to trust anybody. And that there's a lot of reality in that, especially hard to trust big government, you know, uh, big, big leadership and all that kind of stuff. So my, my point on this though, is really a little, little simpler than this. Um, I think as a church my, and one of my elders and I were talking about this, Kendall and I've been talking about this for weeks on end now. Um, it's a little frightening how people are so ready and, and so willing to be led by big global governments, even to the point of closing up their business and their livelihood, just shutting it down if you tell us to, and we'll let you help us and figure it out. And when the big government's doing that, um, when our government's doing that, there's a control element there that our people, you know, the term now we use all the time is sheeple. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Our, that our sheeple are looking to. And what I would have loved to have happened, and it didn't in anywhere I know, I've talked to a bunch of different pastors, what I've loved to happen is when all this started happening is for the people to start calling their 
spiritual leaders and say, what do you think we should do with this? Um, I think the church needs to be invested in, in leadership of this at some point. And I don't know how that all works. I'm not saying we need to go to some, you know, old English style where the Pope, you know, runs everything and sure, t- tells sure. the government what yeah, to do. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not getting into that deep world, but, but I am telling you that we need to, as a church, as leadership in a church and as spiritual leaders of, of people, we need to recognize that when the government started giving mandates and put a little scare tactic out in front of everybody, everybody scattered. Yeah, and, 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 and everybody yielded to what they were saying almost instantly. And, and I think one of the points you're trying to make here, and it's a good point, is that it's okay to question the the leadership. It's okay to question. You're not you're not bad. Not, not in yeah. a condemning sense. Not just in a condemning help me sense. Just, yeah, give, exactly. Give me facts. It's actually okay to ask questions. Yeah. For example, yeah, people people that ask ask questions are smart people. <laughs> for example, in the United States of America, ninety nine point to the, as of yesterday ninety nine point six no ninety nine point four percent. I want to be right. Ninety nine point four percent of Americans are fine. Right. In the COVID crisis, only ninety nine. Ninety nine point four are well, fine. Why are we even? But here? when you watch <laughs> social media, when you watch the news, even when you watch the government publications, it doesn't feel that way at all. It doesn't feel that way at all. We just got a whole bunch of mandates down from from for the camp that oh, we're yeah, going to yeah, try to have, yeah. and here's what we got to do. And I mean, it's it doesn't feel that way at all yeah. that, that everybody's going to be okay. Yeah, it, feels it feels like, like everybody's going to die. We're still. all going to die if we bring the kids in. So, so I'm a little concerned and, and I would reference here, you can drop this into our notes, uh, but I would reference uh, Andy Andrews had a book called how to kill a million people. I think we've referenced that one before. Oh yeah. Um, I remember tr- tremendous book because it's, it's how, how the Germans got the Jews to get on trains and go to extermination camps with very few guns. They, they were, Eight and nine people on the side of the train tracks with guns and thousands of Jews lined up getting on trains. All it would have taken was a group of Jews to go, hey, we're not doing that. Run over those eight or nine people, take their guns. And now a bunch of people are saved. But the Jews were very willing to do it because they were sheeplish and they were, that's not a word, but I made it up. Yeah. But they it, were, it, it works. Yeah. But they were literally just following what they thought was the government's idea of a good plan. And it got them killed eventually. So oh, yeah. by the millions. Almost exterminated a whole race. By the millions. So um, so I'm just saying we need to look at that for ourselves and acknowledge as a church, people are very easily misled, easily, led, e- led and misled. Easily led astray. Yeah. By, by big government structures and, and by media. And the church needs to have some voice in that. We need to find a way to get, get a voice well, in that. Well, and, and I think in a roundabout way, to kind of put a, a good closing on it, what you're saying is that, the church needs to trust its shepherds more than the um, the leaders that are out, outside of the fold. At so, least consult us. Yes, <laughs> Let's at all least get together. Cons- and- at least consult your shepherds. The, your shepherds, in this analogy, being your pastors, right? Um, and you know, don't don't keep following your your media and your your politicians solely, solely, and and trusting them and living in fear and and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, the, that's, it, that's good advice. Re- really, the church should get together and talk through it. Exactly. Uh, when it gets to that level, it shouldn't be a oh, I'm watching the news, I know what I'm doing, uh, kind of thing. So that's that's my two cents on that. It really is a little bit of a different spin, but 
And I'll welcome all the criticism and emails I'll get. I'm sure there's hate yeah, mail. You send coming. all your so, hate mail to yep. Stanley Dallas. No. Yep. All right. 614. <laughs> 614. We thank you. All, thanks all of you for listening to this episode of Rescuing Churches. Guys, we hope the content has been great for you and that you found it encouraging and helpful. As always, we appreciate any thoughts and feedback. Um, no criticism, just you know, helpful thoughts and feedback on the show. I would on my criticism. Actually, <laughs> I like. It. You can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at six fourteen rebuild. Just leave us a voicemail, even at our phone number. It is six zero one nine zero nine zero six one four. We might even include your voicemail in an upcoming episode. <laughs>